Mid-market-sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. On this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're talking to Tom Matthews. Tom's a partner at Pemba Capital. We're going to have a chat to Tom about what Pemba does with mid-market businesses and some of the key learnings and important tips for business owners around this space. Tom, thanks for joining us firstly. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit of your work history and how you ended up being a partner at Pemba Capital. As you quite rightly say, I'm a partner at Pemba Capital. So for your listeners that aren't aware, Pemba is a leading growth investor that's focused on investments in small and mid-sized private businesses in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Personally, I've over 17 years of experience in investing in both Australia, uh, New Zealand and the UK in private businesses. And as an active and experienced growth investor, I've completed over 70 buy and build investments and held board level positions with over 15 organizations. I've been at Pemba for um, over five years now. I've led a number of transactions across Pemba's key areas of sector focus. Some of those include ReadyTech, which is now listed on the Australian Stock Exchange, Mark Group, Pemba's uh, government software business, Open Office, and more recently, OnCall, a disability care business. And, and I represent Pemba on the boards of these companies. I joined Pemba from Sovereign Capital Partners in the UK. Uh, Sovereign is the UK's buy and build specialist private equity fund. And prior to this, I was with the principal investment team at Macquarie Bank. And before Macquarie, I was at Deloitte Corporate Finance, uh, working both in Sydney and in London. You've been a busy man. (laughs) You could say that. So, Tom, you used the phrase buy and build specialist private equity fund when you were talking about sovereign capital. Tell us a little bit more. What does that actually mean? So, Pemba, like Sovereign, is also widely acknowledged in its market as a specialist buy and build investor. What that means for us at Pemba is it's it's not just about the day one investment into a company. It's actually partnering, supporting the founders and the management teams that invest alongside Pemba, providing serial rounds of capital to fund growth initiatives, to accelerate growth initiatives. So that could be organic growth initiatives, such as an investment in sales, marketing, new office openings, new software or new product development, as well as other ways to accelerate growth. So for example, strategic bolt-on acquisitions, partnership opportunities, et cetera. Okay, so it's a little bit different to what most private equity funds would typically do. Is that fair? That's that's probably fair, yeah. And so what does your typical investment look like? You mentioned some names there, but you know, what sort of size businesses do you look for? What do they need to look like before you're prepared to have a look at them or invest in them? Yeah, great question. So from a sort of Pemba perspective, uh, and unlike many other um, investors in in the mid and lower mid market in Australia and New Zealand, um, who are sector agnostic, we at Pemba, we are sector focused. So uh, we have five key sectors that we focus on. Our whole thesis is around identifying growth opportunities, but within more defensive sectors. So sectors, for example, that aren't necessarily 
exposed to an economic cycle or, or downturn. Uh, so in no particular order, our five key sectors are technology, healthcare, training and education, what we call white collar business services, which effectively is essential services to corporates rather than directly to consumers, and then non-bank financial services. In terms of size, uh, we've got a pretty flexible mandate. Um, we have a sort of minimum size threshold uh, that we look for in terms of what we call a platform, which is a starting point in a subsector or niche from an investment point of view. So that you know, our minimum starting point is is two million of cash profits. Um, that way, we feel the business has a certain level of scale for us to make additional investments to uh, ensure that all the growth that comes within the business from our investment is sustainable. Okay, so it's a pretty broad list. I mean, the, the size is obviously one criteria, but those five sectors you mentioned cover quite a lot of different business opportunities. Yeah, ab absolutely. So they're pretty broad sectors, but the way we organize ourselves internally in our business is into sector teams. We spend a lot of time within those five broad sectors, uh, breaking those sectors down into specific subsectors and niches, and then overlaying our key investment criteria at PEMBA, which includes high levels of visible, predictable revenues, uh, high barriers to entry, which we, we look at profit margins, high and sustainable profit margins as a proxy for that, high cash conversion, and typically fragmented markets, which really lend themselves to that buy and build opportunity that I spoke about. So we spend a lot of time look, breaking those sectors down into subsectors and even niches, and then we green light the niches and the subsectors which we feel best fit our key investment criteria. And once we've green lighted a sector or a niche, uh, we will use our resources internally to map all of the various uh, players or participants in that green lighted subsector or niche. Uh, and then we will work out and prioritize which of those businesses fit in terms of um, scale and reach out to the owners of those businesses um, and see if they're interested in taking on an external uh, growth partner like Pemba. So let's talk about that stage for a moment. You've identified a business, you've reached out to the owner, they're interested in moving forward with you. What does it typically look like from there? Are you taking a majority stake? Are you investing debt or equity? How does the actual transact? And I, I, I gather they would vary, but how would you generally like to approach that with a business owner in the mid-market? Yeah, so so as a private equity investor, our investments are, are always into equity. So un, again, unlike some other mm -hmm. investors mm -hmm. out there uh, that will use a lot of structuring and, and financial engineering, uh, that's not our approach. So we, we typically invest in into equity uh, on the same terms and the same sort of subordination and ranking as our founder and management partners that invest alongside us. So it goes back to the very nature of, of our partnership model. In terms of, of um, uh, sort of structure, we, we usually look to take controlling stakes in the businesses that we back. However, we've got a pretty flexible mandate. And, and really for us, there is no cookie cutter approach. We pride ourselves in our ability to be flexible to accommodate the different needs of differing sets of shareholders. So, um, you know, we've we've completed over 130 investments in private businesses in our over 20 years of operation. We've seen every scenario under the sun from uh, business owners looking to cash out, sell 100% of their business and, and retire through to, you know, more ambitious management teams uh, looking to bring on a growth partner so that they can invest alongside them and actually buy out the company uh, 
uh, that they work in. So it's quite a flexible approach, which I guess it has to be given you're dealing with all sorts of different uh, motivations from vendors or management teams, etc. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's very much listening, trying to understand what the key objectives are of the uh, of the key shareholders and then trying to structure a transaction to achieve those sets of objectives. And then once you're in there as an investor, you know, how do you add value to those businesses? So you've come in, you've 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 taken a stake, probably a majority as you said. How do you how does a growth investor like Pemba add yep. value to that business? Yeah, good question. So there's probably a number of factors. The the first is around cash for growth. So private equity funds like Pemba have very deep financial resources and can therefore provide the capital required to fuel growth initiatives. So I mentioned previously at Pemba, we provide capital to fund both organic initiatives, so investments in sales, marketing, new software or product development, et cetera, as well as other ways to accelerate growth, such as uh, value enhancing bolt-on acquisitions. We also invest in the back office infrastructure. For us, it's really important that all growth is sustainable. So those investments are usually into areas such as finance, uh, technology systems, enhancing the management team and, and and really strengthening the management talent of the business so so cash for growth is the first um the first way that someone like a pemba can add value to an sme business the second is expertise so private equity investors can supply the talent the sme business is lacking right. uh, we work in partnership with founders and management teams to set the strategic vision for the company and where required, we bring in external expertise to help the company deliver on its growth initiatives. The third area would be networks and connections. So at Pemba, we have a deep network of trusted advisors, management teams, board members and consultants. The right investor you know, is, is an SME owner's path to a new community of valuable business connections to really help drive the business to the next level. The next area I, I would say would be around sort of management incentivization. So if business owners are looking to reward their management team, then uh, private equity investment can be a great way to do that. Uh, we, we want to ensure that the management teams that we back stick around for the long term and also mm-hmm. they're financially rewarded for the company's success. So at Pemba, we often provide equity participation and worthwhile incentive programs to make that happen. There's probably two more areas. So the the next area is around sort of proven returns. So there've been sort of a number of studies um, that, you know, growth investors like Pemba are experts at creating value. So there was a study by Boston Consulting Group that found that roughly 70% of private equity investments generated at least 20% growth in profits and nearly half half of those saw growth of over 50% or more. So, um, you know, proven wow. returns. Yeah. And then finally, accelerated growth opportunities. So, so within our business at Pemba, the way we work with the founders and the management teams that we back, we effectively act as an in-house corporate development function for our investee businesses. So we use our resources to bring opportunities, whether those are acquisition or otherwise, uh, that could accelerate the growth of the core platform investments. That's a fairly substantial list of you know mechanisms and tools and networks and resources that you can bring to bear to add value, as you said. Tell me a little bit about the 
what you've called the two payday structure. How does that work and what's that about? Probably worth sort of before I dive into that for your listener base, talking through the sort of types of, of transaction structure sure. that might yep. be available to a business owner. And then I can talk about, you know, what we yeah, that'd be good. Yep. So I guess what, what we see in the market and, and we meet lots of SME owners on a daily basis. From what we see, many SME owners are not even aware of what the potential options are uh, that are available to them when they sell their businesses. Many sure. associate selling their business with an outright sale. Uh, and yep. don't consider the alternatives. So what, one alternative to a, to a full sale is obviously a partial sale. So by selling parts of their business on completion and retaining an ongoing equity stake, an SME owner can realize some of the value that's tied up in their company, but really ride the next stage of the growth journey. They can therefore benefit from an additional payday on exit of the enlarged group. And, and that is known um, by growth investors as the two payday structure. You know, from a SME business owner's perspective, what we find when, when we're having discussions with them around a transaction, that there are probably three key objectives that they're looking to solve. Uh, and they are typically, you know, the dollars, two, making sure that their people will be looked after, and three, sort of legacy. The advantages of the sort of two payday structure for SME business owners, sort of ticking off each of those three key items, for, from a dollar's point of view, by partnering with the right growth investor, the SME owner might be able to achieve accelerated revenue and profit growth in their business over and above what they could have achieved on their own. So growth investors can provide the, the finance, the strategic support, the access to networks of experts to really accelerate the business growth. And as a successful uh, growth investor, the way we do, we do this is typically through, as I talked about, serial rounds of financing. So by selling part yep. of the business on completion, retaining an ongoing equity stake, the SME owner can realize some of the value tied up in the company on completion and then ride the next stage of the growth journey. They can then benefit from the second payday on, on exit of the enlarged group. And this two payday structure often generates higher total proceeds for SME owners than if they'd sold 100% of their business uh, on day one. Right, so your assumption is Let's just say I sell you 60% of my business today for $6 million, yep. Yep. which means it's worth 10. I keep the other 40%. We yep. then go down the path with your additional resources, cash, networks, yep. exactly. you know, advisors, et cetera. And yep. what I'm doing then is turning the $10 million into, let's say, 20. Yep. And now my 40% is worth 8 million instead of four. And so I'm getting two lots of pay at a much higher value. Exactly right. Exactly yeah, it right. makes sense. Exactly right. So, so that's hit, hit, that's the dollars point. On the people point, so by, by maintaining that ongoing equity stake, the SME owner can actually stay closely involved and input into all key strategic decisions of the business. So, you know, as a growth investor, I talked about, you know, we look to equity incentivize the key people at the heart of the businesses that we back. So that way, interests are aligned, it changes behavior, the key people driving the growth initiatives think like owners and act like owners and focus their time accordingly. So by bringing the key people involved into the equity and supporting that transition from employee to equity owner, you know, by, by bringing in the right investment partner, SME owners can be sure that their key staff, many of whom are often friends and family members, will be well looked after. So that, that's the picture on employee share plan. We typically do it directly into equity rather right. than through a, a sort of an employee share plan. So it might be a management equity plan, 
But, you know, going yep. back to that sort of partnership approach that Pember adopts, you know, it's usually very much on the same terms as as Pember as the uh, as a growth investor and as the founder um, who's also in the equity alongside us both. And then the last part of that was legacy, obviously. Yeah, a legacy. So by selecting the right investment partner to fund, you know, the, the rapid and sustainable business growth, uh, this can obviously leave a, a successful personal legacy for the SME owner so they can see their business go on to thrive. Okay. That all sounds pretty interesting from a business owner's point of view. Obviously, we're right in the middle at the moment of COVID-19, which has been a pretty major black swan event that no one really saw coming, but now we're all having to deal with clearly. How's that impacted on businesses generally? And uh, and what are you doing with your portfolio clients around managing and, and, and dealing with that? Yeah, very sort of topical uh, question. So, yeah, obviously, COVID-19, unfortunately, has had a sort of staggering impact on most Australian businesses. I actually was reading some data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, which states that roughly two thirds of businesses across all sectors have reported a, a significant hit to revenue or cash flow. Two wow. in five. Yeah, two in five have said that they've they've changed how they delivered goods or services. Uh, one third have said they've renegotiated their leases and one in four have deferred loan payments. One in 10 have paused trading altogether. And in roughly sort of 70% of cases, that was obviously due to, to COVID-19. So, wow. so vast impact um, and obviously a vast impact in terms of the Australian workforce. So almost half of the businesses that are still trading have reported making some sort of change to their workforce in the past few weeks either temporary reductions or or a change of work location or placing staff on leave. So the way the way the team at Pemba can help SMEs navigate these difficult times really is by leveraging a highly experienced and, and well-capitalized growth investor that's invested through previous economic cycles and understands the importance really of supporting founders and management teams as they as they manage through this uncertainty. In terms of sort of you know the impact of some of our investee businesses within Pemba. At the moment, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate. It goes to our focus on more defensive growth sectors and subsectors. So uh, many of our portfolio companies have not yet felt a material impact of COVID-19. However, as I'm sure you'd appreciate, you know, the situation changes almost on an hourly basis. So our team at Pemba, yeah. we've, been, we've been working tirelessly to help our founders, to help our management teams implement initiatives such as cash management, cost reductions, networking capital management, capitalizing on the government's various financial stimulus packages, et cetera, to ensure that each business is doing everything that it can to sort of see it through this difficult period. So by continuing to invest in our, our platform companies, we're confident that our founders and our management teams will come out of these unprecedented times stronger, faster, and smarter to tackle a market that hopefully will be primed for, for innovation and speed. So, so for us at Pemba, in summary, it's very much business as usual. We're continuing to invest in our platform businesses to hopefully position them well once this whole situation is behind us. That's a really interesting way to look at it because I think there is opportunity at the end of this. Not sure when the end is, but there is opportunity there for sure. I'm going to ask you to put your, you know, your crystal ball together. How do you think this is going to impact valuations of businesses in the mid-market going forward? Yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a bit of crystal ball gazing. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to quote Ray Dalio who said that uh, 
you know, what, what I don't know is far greater than what I do know. But I guess maybe let, let's just sort of uh, recap in terms of the potential implications on the broader economy, and then we can touch on how that may or may not uh, impact valuations across across the sure, mid-market. So whilst the latest um, sort of stimulus packages from the government will, will hopefully help ease the impact to some extent on the Australian economy, uh, from what I've read, economists still estimate that the unemployment rate in Australia could increase to, you know, nine, ten percent. So we're we're probably looking at an environment of high unemployment and near zero interest rates. So Australia could very well find itself in a in a liquidity trap. Uh, the other big unknown, sort of moving forward, is what the implications will be of of Australia's ballooning debts and deficits to fund these stimulus packages. So we've got to ask ourselves, you know, have we sentenced younger Australians to a lifetime of, of higher taxes yep. or will a prolonged period of low interest rates prevail to ensure that the increased debts can be serviced? So either way, you know, I guess in summary, there's going to be some very long and lasting implications of COVID-19 on the Australian economy. How this will ultimately impact valuations in the mid-market is still a bit of an unknown, unfortunately, at this stage. However, yeah. what we're seeing um, at PEMBA in terms of the defensive growth sectors where we invest, so these are providers of very much of essential services or mission-critical software. What I've learned through investing through the, the prior financial crisis in terms of the GFC in Europe is, uh, you know, just as the GFC, COVID-19 will present lots of opportunities for SMEs and investors like PEMBA. More than ever, a partnership with an experienced growth investor like Pemba could be a fantastic opportunity for an SME owner to really navigate this period of uncertainty and capitalize on the growth opportunities as we come out the other side. So just before we wrap up, and I'll ask you in a minute how do people get in touch with you, but just before we wrap up, your top tip for mid-market business owners going forward if they're looking for a growth partner, how do they prepare themselves? What's the number one thing they need to do? Yeah, the number one thing they should do is um, is is meet lots of different types, meet lots of uh, different funds out there, find one that fits from a strategic point of view, from a cultural point of view, and then most importantly, make sure that they take references. So speak to people that that growth investor uh, currently works with, uh, people that they have invested alongside, that they've bought businesses from in the past, and just make sure everything that they're telling you is true and stacks up. Uh, so for me, that's probably the top tip for SME business owners. Fantastic, that's a great one. Now, Tom, how do people get in touch with you if you're a mid-market business out there looking for a growth partner? Um, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, you can, you can send me an email. So my email address is tomm at pemba.com.au. Alternatively, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I write lots of articles about investing in SME businesses. So please send me an email. Um, you can just look me up on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Tom, thanks for joining us. That's been really useful information. Thanks again for sharing it with us. No problem. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate your time. Stay safe. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by Eagle Wave's small business podcasting platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au. Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it.